Good morning. So today's reading is taken from John chapter 4, verse 24, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 18. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him, worship in the spirit and in truth. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, or being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Now, I've been struggling with my voice this morning, so we'll see how long it lasts. You may be in for a treat, a short sermon, eh? <laughs> but um, does anybody else miss Steve Wright in the afternoon? Yes, thank you. He was a constant companion throughout my life, my adult life, I think. I remember listening to Steve Wright in the afternoon on the radio um, as a, at university. Uh, on Radio 1 in those days, of course, but we, we all transition, don't we, to Radio 2. He, Steve Wright had this thing where he would say, hands up if, I don't know, hands up if you're eating an ice cream or something. And you could imagine the people across the nation putting their hands up and saying, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me connecting with people. It was nice. So I'm going to do a hands up now. So um, <clears throat> we're thinking about worship. It's our series at the moment. And um, have you ever been in the situation where you're singing a song and you've got about halfway through and you suddenly realize you've not been thinking about the words at all. You've just been singing. Hands up if that's ever, ever happened to you. Oh, that's a relief. It's not just me. It's not just me. That happened to me this morning. I was sitting there on the first song, and um, I was thinking about my voice and how it was sounding, and um, I was thinking about what I was going to say. And then suddenly, I hadn't been thinking about the words, and I had to just change my mind. Hands up if you've ever been convicted of something in a service and decided you must do something about it, but when you left the church, it dropped out of your head altogether. If that's ever happened to you, hands up. Yeah, yeah. How about this one? Hands up if you've ever felt blessed in a worship time and you wanted to respond to God by lifting your hand, but your inhibitions wouldn't let you. Yeah? Hi, hands up nice and high. Yeah? Here's your chance. I've certainly been there. I, my inhibitions are very strong. 
We're all in the same boat. That's the point of this. You know, we are told, and it's true, that worship is, is the primary purpose of man, to worship God. And yet, reality is, we're not very good at it. We're not very natural at it. We find it hard and we get distracted. We, we, we wander in our thoughts. We can't follow through on things. We are inadequate when it comes to worship. We should rename ourselves Surely Inadequate Church and invite everybody who else is inadequate to join us. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, in the story of Adam and Eve, uh, one of the first things that happens after they, uh, they eat the fruit from the tree uh, is that they, when God comes, they hide. There's a break, isn't there? That, that relationship with God is broken, and they feel they want to hide away and not be in the place where they would have ideally been. And because of that, they have to leave the garden and that relationship with God is broken. And so perhaps it's not surprising that when we come to worship and when we come before God, we find it hard. That break is still there. We're conscious of it or maybe unconscious, but it is still there and it's hard to connect with God. But our theme today is worship at the cross of freedom. Worship at the cross of Freedom, and freedom suggests we've been freed from something. And to some extent, one of the things we've been freed from is ourselves, from our own inadequacy, from our own failings. Um, I think God's given me this voice to illustrate the fact of that failing this morning. So uh, every time you hear, what about the croaky voice he's got this morning? That's because it's an illustration. We are weak, we are failed. We are fallen people. But we have been freed through the cross of Jesus to worship him. Now, I've realized something else I should have done is introduce myself. So my name is Chris, part of the, uh, the church here. And um, one of the Psalms that we, uh, we read, <clears throat> and uh, I love the version that you, uh, that you chose. That was lovely. Uh, I'm going to read... Some of the verses from that psalm, which is from the New International Version. Uh, and it picks out uh, a few verses that describe what it's like to travel up to Jerusalem for a festival. So this is in the Old Testament. It's, it's, the, it's the people of Israel who would go regularly to Jerusalem for festivals. And the psalmist says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They're on a journey. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which means the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It's a lovely image, isn't it? A very positive image of what it is to go and worship in that context of the people of Israel and how they would go about their worship at the festivals in Jerusalem. They were going up to the temple in Jerusalem and there they would be at the place where they met with God. 
And that, I don't know how that compares with your trip to church this morning. I don't know whether you felt that same sense of excitement as you, uh, as I uh, came up the travelator uh, around Asda. I looked back and I saw, I saw, um, yes, <laughs> I saw people uh, coming to church. And uh, maybe you, you had the same experience, whether you came from the front or, or from the back. You saw other people and that sense of gathering. And you were going from strength to strength before, as you, as you approached into God's presence. Or maybe that wasn't your experience. Maybe actually coming was a bit of a chore, a bit of a, a battle. I know for those of you who have children, it can often be hard to get everybody ready at the same time and be here. But if we just think about the Old Testament, we're missing something. We need to move on. Because the experience of the Israelites and coming to the temple to worship is something that has been transformed by Jesus. Jesus has, uh, in, in many ways, transformed the old into the new. And one of the passages that, or the verses that Udai read from John chapter 4, we find Jesus talking, and again, it's that conversation he had with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And this conversation ran through a few things. And there's this section about worship. I'll just read some of the verses again. In fact, verses starting from an earlier verse. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet, and our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So Jesus is doing that thing again that he does, isn't it? He takes something from the old and he transforms it. The Samaritan woman is talking about the argument that has been a long-running debate between the, the Jews and the Samaritans as to where to worship. It's been going on for hundreds, thousands of years. And Jesus says, it, well, it's not, am I right here? Is this right? He takes it to another level. He says... A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus takes it up to another level. It's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship. And he uses these words, spirit and truth. Well, truth talks to me about honesty and integrity. Jesus is saying there needs to be an honesty and an integrity about our worship. When we come to gather in this place or in any place where we worship, it's got to come from the heart. And spirit... I think the word spirit to me means a deep connection. Matt talked last week, didn't he, from Psalm 42 about deep calls to deep. 
God's spirit and our spirit. And there's something about spirits that are able to connect in a way that we find hard on a physical level. So there's an honesty, there's an integrity in the truth of worship. There's a deep connection in the spirit. That is what God is looking for in our worship. And I think that's what we want as well in our heart. It's not just about being in the right place or following certain rituals. It's not just about going through the motions. It has to be deeper than that. And so for us, what does that mean? Well, we're all here, and I include people who are online. You are attending church. You are part of church. You have connected. But that needs to be transformed, not just attending, but actually being in the presence of God. Not just attending a place, but being in the presence of God. And we've been singing certain words, haven't we? The the songs have come up, and sometimes we say prayers. But it's not just about singing or saying the words. It has to be about responding to the truth of God. There has to be a response within us for worship to take place. And if we think about worship as a wider thing than just what we do here on a Sunday, worship is part of our lives the way we express ourselves. But it's not just about doing good. It's not just about doing good things as if the acts themselves is worship. It's about living in line with the spirit of God, connecting with his spirit. What Jesus calls us to is very deep. Not just attending, not just saying, not just doing good things, but being in his presence, responding to his truth, and living in his spirit. These are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks, says Jesus. So what's all this about Moses? Moses and the veil. Well, this is another Old Testament story, and it goes back a long way, even further than the Psalms. It goes back to the time when God has just taken the people out of Israel, and there they are, a a nation, well, sort of a nation, they've never really been a nation before, just a group of people, and God has called them out, and they don't really feel like a nation, and they need some sense of identity, and God meets with them on a mountain and gives them some instructions Uh, and calls them his nation. And then they start to travel, and they wander in the wilderness for many years. And um, at some point, they they create a a special place for God in the center of the camp, a tabernacle. Uh, And it's like the precursor of the temple that they would build when they get to the promised land. But before that, there was a tent of meeting that Moses set up outside of the camp. And he would go and he would meet with God in person. And when he did so, something remarkable happened. 
when he was in the presence of God, when he came out, his face was glowing, literally, physically glowing. And that spooked the people. They thought, this is weird. And he put a veil over his face so that for a time, while this um, glow was gradually diminishing after he'd been with God, they wouldn't be frightened by what had happened. So that's the story of Moses and the veil. But it's, it's picked up and, and really um, built into the, the sort of thinking of Israel because when they built the tabernacle, this, this larger tent, which had different sections for people to come and worship and be, in the, be close to the presence of God. At the, the point that was the Holy of Holies, Moses was instructed to put a curtain, uh, a large curtain. And then when, when Moses, sorry, when Solomon built the temple, the same thing applied. There was a, a curtain set up so that between the people and the Holy of Holies, there was a barrier. It represented that fall that we talked about in the Garden of Eden, that break between us and God. I've got um, a piece of cloth to represent that. I, I could do with a couple of uh, tall people to come and help me. I wonder if, Paul, would you mind coming and uh, holding this? Would you mind helping as well? Um, there we are. If you could sort that out and hold it up. Yeah. So, if you want to stand over here, Paul, over there. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I haven't thought this through, have I? No. Okay. Well, the thing, no, there was a barrier. Up it goes. This was the barrier. Now, according to the Bible, this isn't great viewing for the online, is it? But carry on. Nice shoes. Yeah. Um, according to the Bible, uh, the, 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 the curtain was actually made of, let me see, it was called, um, it was a, a blue, purple, and scarlet with uh, cherubims worked into it by skilled craftsmen. Now, I, I did have a word with Fiona and suggest a few cherubims. She might sort of weave them in, but she, she wasn't keen. So um, you've just got a black thing here, but you can see what the, the point is. There's this curtain, which is blocking the end. Uh, and the people can't access the Holy of Holies. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, we are told in Matthew 27, verse 51, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So to illustrate this, to illustrate this, we are going to get our two volunteers to rip the curtain. And when it does so, I want a great cheer to go up, okay? Because this is the curtain that separates us from God. The cross of Jesus has done something special that has broken that barrier down, okay? So you need to hold this tight, very tight. Okay, you ready? Yeah. On you go, go! Human beings can't do this. Human beings can't break that barrier. However hard they tried, I don't think they would... You wouldn't manage it, would you? I 
to represent the cross, I've got a pair of scissors. <laughs> I'm going to start this off, okay? I'm going to just, don't pull it too hard at the moment. I'm just going to create a starting rip there, okay? And now hold it up. And if this works, I want to hear that cheer, because this is the barrier between us and God pulling down because of the cross of Jesus. Okay? One, two, three. It is brilliant. We have freedom through the cross. Freedom to access God. Freedom to come and worship. We don't deserve to be here standing before God and able to sing our worship songs. We have no right. We are unworthy. We are inadequate. But Jesus, through the cross, has given us access to God. We do not need to be fearful. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are very bold. So my encouragement to you is to be bold in worship. I'm saying this to myself too. To be bold in worship. To really connect with God. Not to stand back and hold back, but allow your heart and your spirit to come before God today. We're going to sing at the, cro- at the foot of the cross. Uh, and then, once we've sung this song, we're going to share in communion, which is all part of our worship together.